When it comes to packaging, everybody knows the three R's. Reduce, reuse and recycle. But what about plastic packaging that escapes collection and just ends up in the environment? In this episode of Packaging Talks, Bruno Pereira in conversation with Dr. Rangaprasad points out that there should be a fourth R, remediate. Bruno Pereira is an environmental activist and Chief Sustainability Officer at Biologic Sao Paulo, Brazil. Let us join the conversation to find out more. Hello everyone and welcome to a fresh episode of Packaging Talks, our podcast series brought to you by the Packaging 360 team. Today our guest is Bruno Pereira. He's an environmental activist and a Chief Sustainability Officer at Biologics based out of Sao Paulo in Brazil. He's an environmental activist and is very active in the area of uh, sustainability and new business development, focused on collaboration for scientific progress pertaining to bio-based thermoplastics, and recycling and biodegradation. Welcome to the podcast, Bruno. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Bruno, you've been uh, a very passionate crusader in the area of uh, bio-based materials. So for the benefit of our, our listeners, could you please uh, enumerate what, in your opinion, are the recent developments in bio-based polymers which offer uh, effective replacement to conventional plastics in packaging? And since this is a packaging forum, it would be good if you can just focus on the potential of these polymers in the in the area of packaging. Doctor, I think the your audience is aware that replacing the mainstream resins such as polyethylene, polypropylene, polystyrene is extremely challenging. We know that these conventional polymers, they have an undisputed cost to performance ratio. They have a huge install capacity, both in manufacturing and conversion. And they have decades really to be optimized for the difference, different performance that different rigid, flexible barrier, non-barrier packaging need. So before attempting to replace a conventional polymer, we try to look very hard at the reasons for why somebody would want to replace them. It's easy to just assume that a biopolymer will be better or should be better than a conventional polymer, but that's not always the case. So the first aspect we look at is that conventional polymers, most of them are fossil-based and they have limited recyclability. That's definitely a challenge, but we believe that the solution for those aspects, fossil-based and limited recyclability, the bulk of the solution will come with chemical recycling. So we see much more commitment with chemical recycling, new announcements, new projects, and chemical recycling really elevates all plastics to recyclable status and sets the foundation to real world circularity. So you have mixed plastics, you convert them back to petroleum, and now you can make more plastics. So up to this point, no biopolymers are needed. Of course, and they are needed when it comes to the yields of this process. So if we have mechanical recycling or chemical recycling with a yield of say 75%, then we believe that that's the role of a biopolymer to make up for that process loss, right? So you would have polymers being recycled with a yield of 75% 
and then you would have biopolymers making up for those 25% so that we can achieve full circularity. So we look at developments that are not just there to replace, but to join forces, right? I mean, in the, in the circularity aspect, we want the biopolymers to make up for the inefficiencies in recycling. And that's where on the company that I work for, Biologic, we are developing biopolymers that can be combined with multiple bio-based polymers that can be combined with multiple fossil-based polymers like polyethylene, polypropylene, and polystyrene, so that combined, uh, we can have circularity. So that's how we see the new developments from the source aspect, fossil-based and circularity. Then we have another reason to consider replacing the conventional polymers, which in our opinion is the most pressing and is environmental persistency. So as most of the, your audience, I'm sure is familiar, even with the three R's, more infrastructure, there will still be a lot of material finding their ways to the environment. The numbers from the Breaking the Plastics Wave report talks about 5 million tons of plastics every year in the best case. And, and that's scary because they are persistent, so they accumulate. And, and this is where conventional plastics endanger changing the world as we know it in the next decades. We would love not to need the conversion conventional polymers and just to be able to say, don't use them. But to support 7 billion people in the world, we need them. So instead of trying to replace the conventional polymers, we look at biotechnology to enhance them for faster biodegradation. A lot of people believe or used to believe and some still believe that accelerating the biodegradation of polyethylene, polypropylene, polystyrene would be impossible or that it would lead to more microplastics. But we have proved that wrong with recent developments. Leveraging biotechnology from nature, so the, the natural polymers found in nature, we were able to combine them with conventional polymers in a way that it really starts to fix the issue of a centuries-long persistency. So we are not talking about making polyethylene, polypropylene, polystyrene compostable. It's not that fast, but we do see moving centuries of persistency to decades or even years. In summary, the, the, the most representative developments that we see in biopolymers will add to those two aspects. Number one, you are joining forces with a conventional polymer to make up for the recycling losses. Or number two, you are enhancing them for reduced environmental persistency when unfortunately leaked to the environment. That's a new dialogue, I think, in biopolymers instead of trying to replace conventional polymers altogether, but we think it's much more doable, attainable, technically and economically viable. Yeah, thank you, Bruno. This was a very different way of uh 
putting across your point and this is the first time that we are hearing uh, this kind of an approach and i'm sure uh, you would have done a lot of r and d in, uh, in this area but going further in your field of expertise how do you basically look at designing uh, polymers for degradation there are so many agencies you have the landfill then you have o- oceans or river beds water bodies so for example uh, biopolymer which is probably designed for landfill may not be suitable in uh, water bodies and there are so many polymers available like you know starch based plastics polyvinyl alcohol polylactic acid polyhydroxy alkanoids etc so how do you what is the if at all there is an underlying principle for designing uh, polymers for uh, degradation or biodegradation thank you doctor and i think we are going to share another different perspective here with you and it is that in most cases we believe that the best alternative is not to biodegrade we believe that society is better off with most polymers recycled keep that carbon in circulation even if they have to wait in a landfill until technology catches up so again what is not possible today is going to be very different 50 years from now with much more chemical recycling so why design those polymers to quickly go away and disappear so we see two major roles for biodegradation number 1 is to enable efficient organic waste delivery to compost sites so let's design a trash bag that is compostable because it's going to go to a to a composting site the other one is to accelerate biodegradation in materials that are unfortunately leaked to the environment so here the the design target it's not for it to go away in 180 days that's not the case it is to bring from centuries to decades or years if it is in a biologically active environment so if it is in a landfill it better stays there we really want that if it, if it is in the ocean we wanted to to biodegrade so under this lens we design two product lines one that are let's make compostable polymers that will help deliver organic waste to compost sites more efficient more affordable better performance and the second line as we said is let's work with the conventional polymers to accelerate biodegradation from centuries to decades when we look at um environments of interest landfill we don't see a lot of value on biodegradation once again we would love to see the plastics there just separated for future recycling but we are actively trying to understand what are the biodegradation conditions in the real life ocean where again is where we see if no action is taken society we'll see the world changing in decades so we want to make plastics not persist in the ocean environment bruno in you know in our, in our quest for developing degradable uh, plastics uh, are you satisfied that all these materials will meet the packaging requirements basically you know we are talking of the uh, probably at the post consumer disposal level but uh, when it actually uh, before this stage the consumer has to use the package containing a food product or a pharma product or a fmcg product do these degrade so called degradable polymers meet all packaging requirements in the first place because degradation is something which is which will follow later so what are your thoughts on or how do you 
Do you keep this in mind when you design polymers for degradation? Uh, doctor, under this vision of combining with conventional polymers, we believe that we do satisfy all requirements because we, once again, are not trying to replace what is the reason of success of polyethylene, polypropylene, polystyrene, and they satisfy all the requirements because, once again, they had decades to evolve. Beating them on cost, performance, it's just not going to happen, we believe, in the next decade. So under the thought of enhancing them, then we believe it's possible because we are changing them as little as possible. We take all the good they have and we just add the mechanism for nature, for the microorganisms to recognize them if they are already in the environment. So we are not doing anything that will make them break down in the shelf or in the consumer home. They are just there like a piece of wood or like a piece of paper. So we are the only thing we try to change, and that's our concept, to try to change as little as possible because there is a reason why conventional polymers are a success. They are efficient, they are affordable, they, they deliver on the function. What is the big failure? Environmental persistency. Therefore, we try to bring that gene in their DNA to, to be less environmentally persistent. So that's where we think we can fulfill the requirements by, by joining forces instead of trying to replace. We don't see, personally, I don't see an avenue to, in the next decades, replace conventional polymers with altogether, with something completely different. I mean, that's a route that has been attempted for the last decades by exotic polymers that are great for compostable applications, but that for the mainstream, they, fail, they fall short significantly. That's not what we are trying to do. We want to combine forces and to change the conventional polymers as little as possible, including to remain, to keep them durable, to keep them recyclable. Recyclability and biodegradation is technically possible. And that's, that's I think, the big change we are bringing to the, to the vision of ideal. Instead of having to choose between, do I go conventional recyclable or do I go biodegradable? That's a decision very hard to make and we think one that will not lead to success. Combining forces, we believe it's not that hard to, to enhance conventional polymers for reduced environmental persistence. Okay, that's great. Finally, you know, we all hear uh, experts working in the area of recyclability or biodegradation or compostable materials, but really nobody talks about the economics of these materials. So as a final uh, thought, how do you see the economics working out in the long run for commercial acceptability of uh, either bio-based materials or these hybrid materials that you are referring to? So it's very hard to beat the economics of the established polymers that are produced in the in reactors that are millions, I mean, almost in the hundreds of thousands of tons scale and a technology that is completely mature. So any incumbent will have to demonstrate potential to be economical. We believe that, once again, the strategy of combining forces, joining forces, make it economically viable. In our case of new plastic, it's a biopolymer, that it can be 
very effectively and with a very reduced economical premium blended with conventional polymers to enhance them. So we are no longer talking about you have to choose a polymer that costs four times the price or two times the price. Now we are talking about a blend that maybe in the end of the day is 5% more. So now it becomes viable. Of course, if you want to go compostable, any compostable solution will be a multiplier in cost. But we don't need all polymers to be compostable. Actually, that would be a very bad thing, right? Because we would have much less possibility to recycle. We would have more resources of the world invested in, in plastics. And we want it to be as little as possible. So under the strategy of add as little as you need in order to fix what you are looking to fix, we think that it's, perfect, it's perfectly economically viable. We have had successes around the world based on efficiency and not based even on, on sustainability-related aspects. But uh, we think trying to enhance, it's economically viable and it's the, it's the way to go. And it's more than economically viable, it's scalable. Because if you look at the installed capacity of plastics around the world, if we need to add 20% of that with a different polymer in five years, it's almost impossible. So what we really want to do is to have to add one, two, five percent that addresses or mitigates the downsides of conventional polymers, but it still let us continue to enjoy their technical and economical efficiency. Yeah, Bruno, thank you for leading us into a totally different way of looking at sustainable packaging materials. I hope uh, our listeners got a fair idea. And you being in Brazil in an agro-based economy, there are plenty of opportunities to develop new materials for the packaging applications. Your bio-based polyethylene from Braskem is a resounding success and it's known world over. And we know that the hybrid materials that you're talking about is also a good strategy to develop an out-of-box material, which will uh, sort of mitigate the uh, burden of the uh, conventional thermoplastics. We wish you all the very best in your endeavors and also look forward to, you know, if you have any uh, white papers or, you know, case study or, you know, success stories that you'd like to share, our platform is available to you. You can share this uh, with our audience. We'll be happy to post it on our website. So once again, thank you for your time and we wish you all the very best in your future endeavors. Thank you, Dr. Henga Prasad. And we, we close with really the call to action for folks to continue at their three hours effort, but also add what we are calling a fourth R of remediation. Let's make plastics that are durable and less environmentally persistent possible. And thank you so much for the, for the space in your platform. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Packaging Talks, powered by Packaging 360. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Do share your feedback with us in the link provided in the podcast description. And stay tuned for the next episode.